playing this. Church, we know what we're singing this morning. Ray, you know what we're singing this morning. Jesus the King, joy to the world with a smile on our face, Rock of Grace. Come on. switch guitars here let's try something a little different okay we got a can we sing an acapella song together at Christmas time we exalt thee we exalt thee we exalt Sometimes God kind of get, tries to get our attention. So can we just all close our eyes this morning, kind of lift out your hands. The Bible says to lift up holy hands. We wait on you, Jesus. Only you. You're the king of glory. child to rescue us you came as a child to set us free God rest you Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day 
to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. He has come for us this Let's try it together. The King is born. The King is born. Hallelujah, Christ the Lord. The 
testimony I, I feel led to share right now and it's something God has taught me coming to this church body even as a believer even as a leader before I came here I let the stress of serving get to me during Christmas time even leading songs what do I do what words are next to because everything's different this season right but like God taught me coming here and is in the process of teaching me right now, different can be a good thing. Draw near to Him. Draw near to Him and worship. Just worship. Draw near to Him. Draw near. Close your eyes and let him hold you, your every fear will wash away in a sea of his love, oh, in a sea of his love. If we're honest in this place, who has been letting up? I'm gonna, I would lift my hand, but I'm playing. Who's been letting kind of the stress and the weight of the season kind of get to you? Even as parents, I've seen it at home, you know, you know those last couple days of, okay, we got one more day of school and then, and then this, and, and we've got, let's get this done and then we'll do this. And that's kind of like the theme of the season in this nation. Well, let's wait until this date and see what happens. Let's wait. And the Lord is saying, no, now you worship me now in his presence. Draw near to him, oh, draw near to him, oh, in the presence of the Lord, there is freedom. Draw near to him right now, draw near to him right now, and let the weight of the world be washed away, let the weight of the world be washed away, draw near to today spiritual or physical healing you know he we could get so caught up in doing things that forget that he's the healer he's not just a child he's the king of kings he's not just a baby he's the lord of all the earth oh there is healing in this place there is healing in your name 
You know, I really feel like Will's prophesying right now, and I, I, I feel like some of you maybe are receiving it, and uh, maybe others just kind of participate or just kind of watching. But I want to tell you right now, Jesus is here to heal you. If you have a sickness in your body, come on, lift up your hands and just say, "Lord, touch me." Yes. Reach out and touch. Come like that woman with the issue of blood and reach out and touch the Messiah. Son of David, look my way and touch me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Come on, reach out in faith. place in intercession we all know the story of where they lowered their friend down right into the presence of the Lord so he could be healed we can do that in intercession who's on your heart that you're thinking man I just I'm lifting them up right now Ruth I know you're lifting up your dad I know many of you lifting up your children or brothers and sisters that you can't see this time of year and you're saying I would give anything to be with them well in the spirit realm just lower them through the roof right now in the spirit, lower them through the roof. Come on, church. Come on, church, in intercession. Bring them right before the throne of the king right now in the spirit. Oh, worthy is the lamb, oh, worthy of our praise. Worthy is the lamb, oh, all of my days I will sing of your love. my voice and sing of your goodness so Here I am to bow down. 
days King of all days Awesome, highly exalted Glorious in heaven above Humble you came to the earth you created All full of sin He came
Jesus, that you might be glorified in us, that everything that you came to do would be finished in us, Lord. That your authority and your kingdom would be manifest in us, Lord God. That, Lord Jesus, people wouldn't see us any longer. They would see you high and lifted up. You glorified, Jesus. That we might lay down our lives only to have the fullness of your life in us. And so, Jesus, we proclaim today, even as a baby, you ruled and you continue to rule today. So, Lord, I give you everything that I am. <laughs> because it was never mine. My life has always been in you. And I welcome that birth again anew today in your holy name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Christmas wasn't something that happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus wants to birth something new in each of us today. And uh, it's good to sit at his feet. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, a couple of quick announcements. One, if you're joining us for the first time, thank you so much for being here. Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas. Um, I do want to share a few quick things. In the back of the seat in front of you, if it's your first time with us or if you have new information, would you grab a Connect card and just... Uh, pass us your information. We want to connect with you because we believe in family here. We want, to, we want to be connected. And so a few quick things this morning. Christmas Eve services, hallelujah. I've had a few people ask me, are you having services? And the answer is yes, Lord. 3.30 and 5 o'clock at both campuses will be online and will be in service. So please be a part of that. If you're at home right now and you... Uh, want to watch, you'll see those services both on Facebook and I think YouTube. No youth group on December 23rd, but also uh, one special thing, um, while there's no in-person services next Sunday, Pastor Jordan does have a special discipleship moment that he's going to be online with, so at the regular time at 9.30 in the morning, please look for that. And lastly, uh, December, oh, this is the information, December 27th at 9.30 a.m., making 2021 count, Pastor Jordan's best practices to keep Jesus at the center. Who needs, who needs to keep Jesus at the center right now? Amen? Like, thank you, brother, for being faithful to that, making everything point towards him. And then lastly, New Year's Eve, Pastor Jordan really had this heart of sharing communion as a family. And I, I encourage you, on the way out today, at either door, we have communion cups if you want to take those with you so that on, or on New Year's Eve, you can actually take communion together as a body. So I want to invite Pastor Jordan up. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I was at this uh, little prayer retreat that I do every year and um, just praying for the new year and praying for the next couple of weeks. And um, just when I had my eyes closed, I just pictured all, all of you families in your, in your homes doing communion together. So... Uh, I really want you to take part of that. In fact, Pastor Dave, one of his very first things, we added, what, a million things to your to your day of my first couple-hour meeting with him. Everybody say hi to Pastor David if you didn't meet him next. Can you stand up real quick uh, if you didn't meet this beautiful bald man right here? Uh, yes, please. Yes, welcome him. Some of you I know may not have come last week, and maybe make sure you get to know Pastor David. He's our uh, new executive pastor, but he ordered a bunch of communion uh, elements for, are they in the foyer? 
on your way out. Boy, you have a booming voice. That was beautiful. It's like, on your way out. It doesn't need a mic, you know. It's beautiful. Um, hey, I want to invite up Pastor Ben and Nina. I know they gave you guys the news here a month or two ago, but this is their last official Sunday on staff. And so I want to, doesn't time go fast? Isn't it sad? I just can't believe how fast uh, time goes. And so I wanted to make sure today didn't go by without us honoring you. Can we stand up and thank Pastor Ben and Nina for five plus years of ministry here? We love you guys. And what you have to realize, what you have to realize about this gift, it may just think like, oh, it's a coffee mug. But what you don't know is every day without fail, Without fail, I come down to get myself a cup of coffee. And lo and behold, an angel, no, Ben, has already made a coffee. But it's not for me. It's his. He leaves it behind. He, he, I think it's because you're in deep intercession for the saints. He, he makes his coffee, and then he just goes back to his office every single day. So I think that's going to be the thing. It happens at home, too. Every day I get this coffee and I'm like... I may have a problem. Yeah, I'm like, Ben, here's your coffee. And I just hand it to him. And uh, he thinks I made it for him, but really he made it for him. He just forgot. So one more time, give him a big round of applause and a bless you. We love you. We love you guys. All right, you may be seated. Pastor Ben, when I saw that coffee cup, Holy Spirit said, this is the one. Tell this... tell this uh, story. Well, we want to receive an offering today, give you a chance to do that, extend your worship. Um, You can do that online or in person or the app. Uh, I think I mentioned last week or two weeks ago that our app got an upgrade, so you can now have fill in the blanks on the notes section. Just go to the app store, search Rock of Grace, and it's uh, it's really nice. Um, And the sermons are a little bit more easily accessible, too. Um, And so, yeah. Am I missing anything? I feel like some of you are waving at me, and I, well, what was it? The box. Oh, I did forget that. In our world of 2020, we actually don't have ushers come forward. You can drop it off in the box. Thank you, Kathy. So, uh, Mick, would you wave at him real quick? That box right there, you can just drop it in on your way out. But nonetheless, let's still pray over that, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give, Lord, whether we're doing that on our phone today or, or writing, Lord, uh, a check, whatever Uh, means we use, we know it all comes from you, God, that you are the giver. We're truly excited, Lord, to worship you and to to be obedient in our uh, faithfulness and our tithes and offerings. And and God, just to surrender our life to you. Lord, your word is so clear that when we can surrender our finances to you, we've truly surrendered our heart to you. And so help us um, to understand that. Help us to be faithful. And I pray a blessing over every family who's been so faithful. I know you're always doing that, and already your word uh, proves itself true over and over and over. We hear testimonies, God, of you blessing people, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I think I mentioned this also maybe a month ago, but I just want to reiterate um, that Christmas Eve, uh, we have a service coming up, um, 3.30 and 5, and it's very special. It will be online. It will also be... Uh, here in person. And uh, the one that premieres at 3.30, there won't be another one at 5. You just click the one at 3.30, and that will you'll be good to go. And somebody else was waving at me. 
2 o'clock. Oh, yeah, something's happening at 2 o'clock in Kinsman. I can't remember what it is, but it's something about gifts to Boyd's home. Look how the Holy Spirit just reminded me of that. Thank you, Jesus. So you can be a part of that just by showing up in Kinsman at the square. At the good intentions. 2 o'clock? So many things. All right. Merry Christmas. Turn to your neighbor and say Merry Christmas right now. Just a big, fat, cheesy, I mean, come on. All right? All right, now turn to the neighbor that was your second choice, okay, and, and tell him Merry Christmas because just kidding. Do you like that, your second choice? <laughs> well, we are in week three of our sermon series on the good news, and I want to play this quick video as we introduce this sermon. today. Um, Pastor Joey and I collaborated on this sermon and Christmas Eve, and uh, we both kind of tackled them and then uh, threw more ideas and scriptures in, and so I'm excited uh, to do that today. Let's open up our hearts and just ask God to speak to us. Father, we ask that your word would become incredibly real to us today, even scriptures that uh, we've read over the years or even a couple weeks ago, God, that they would uh, be fresh to us this morning, that the story of your son's birth would become so real and life-changing to us. I pray for anybody who's tuning in online, anybody who's in the room, God, that doesn't have a, a relationship with you and has never surrendered their heart to you, that by the end of the sermon, they will realize that you and only you are Lord. Only you are worth living for, and only you will give them peace. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Well, uh, we are trapped in time. I, I thought it was neat that a couple of weeks ago I was I was led to the math, Matthew's account of uh, the the birth story of Jesus, and we're going to look at obviously Luke's account a little more detailed on Christmas Eve. Uh, but then when I I uh, reached out to Joey and said, "Hey, let's collaborate on these two things," he had this exact passage we read two weeks ago from Matthew. So we'll read that in a minute. But I was thinking about this idea of time and how Kairos time and that God sent forth time. Isn't it weird that we are we're trapped in time? In fact, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the uh, time hop on Facebook. Have you guys ever seen that where it pops up? We had the cutest video pop up the other day of Sela from 10 years ago walking around with little AJ, and they were giggling together and uh, falling as they're barely walking, and it was so cute. And then the next day, something not so cute popped up on my time hop. Uh, Eva was playing with a booger and begging me. If, you, if you're into being grossed out, you can find that on my Facebook. Um, and she's asking me to help her with this booger, and I'm not going to talk about the booger anymore. How many times can I say booger from the, from the pulpit, Pastor Ben? Um, and she's begging me, and she's crying, help. And I finally kick into full dad mode because I'm a good, good father. It's who I am. And I took care of the booger. By the way, do you know how to make a tissue dance? Put a little boogie in it. Okay. All right. Anyway, 
I like a little humor to start the sermon, okay? I think Tim's laughing at me, not with me, but that's okay. We are trapped in time. We are trapped in time. In fact, I want to put up this, this clip of imagine God looking down. I'm not saying this is what God sees, but imagine someone's trapped in a two-dimensional, right? Imagine a piece of paper. Let's take this paper, and you would cut it, and then you would see just this two-dimensional. Yet we live in a three-dimensional, but how many know God lives outside of three-dimensional? God lives outside of three-dimensional. He's outside of time, yet he orchestrates time for us, but he doesn't need it. He's outside of time. And God's word says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to redeem us, to change our story, to change what our life is like, to change what our life has been, changes it. So a few reflections from Matthew's account. Again, we'll look at Luke on Christmas Eve, a lot of scripture, in fact, a lot of prophecies on Christmas Eve. But Advent means a time of arrival or coming, and this is this beautiful time, this Christmas, this December time, when we celebrate Jesus coming to us. But it's not just our story, it's Israel's story. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can look at Matthew 1, 1, or if you're using the app right there, Matthew 1. And it's this account of the genealogy of Jesus. In fact, I wish I would have grabbed this image that I used last year. Um, how many of you were here last year where the first name of every name uh, from this lineage of Adam actually tells the gospel story of God sending forth his son to save sinful man? It's remarkable. You can Google it. It'll come right back up. Uh, Pastor Chuck Missler talks about that. But he goes on this genealogy from Abraham to David, through the exile and down to Jesus. Jesus comes to bring Israel's long and storied history, its destiny and conclusion into the fulfillment of God that he always intended. In other words, I want to say it like this again. You're going to hear me say this a few times. This is the thing I want you to remember tomorrow. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to redeem us, to change our story. In fact, can we, re can we just all read that together? Let's read it together. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to redeem us and to change our story. How many know your story was a little bit messed up before Jesus just stepped in, right? Right? And, and if you don't realize that, maybe this Christmas you can be reminded by the Holy Spirit that your story, apart from Jesus, is messed up. It's broken. There's a lot of hurt. There's anger. There's lack of peace, but when Jesus comes in, come on, he's the prince of peace, and he changes. So he doesn't just change your story and my story. He changed the entire story of, human, of, of humankind, right, mankind. So before Matthew takes us forward, he takes us backwards. In fact, we read about this just uh, two weeks ago. Right? I want to first go backwards to Genesis. Jesus comes not just to do something new. Of course, he does new things. But more accurately, the new things he does are fulfilling an old story, the plan of God since the beginning of time. You can read more about that in Ephesians 2. It's one of my favorite chapters where God orchestrates all things. Jesus speaks it out into existence before time began. He was thinking about you. He was thinking about you, Danielle. He was thinking about you, Nicole. Ray, he was thinking about you. He knew who you were. He knew your personality. He created you. So Jesus comes, and he's actually the climax of Israel's story. And in this story, 
which has forever altered our world story, has the power to change your story. So again, Matthew takes us back to the beginning, back to Genesis, where things got off to a bad start. Now, no fault of God, obviously. In fact, if you were here a couple months ago, we talked about the garden, right? We talked about thousands of trees, and they had to pick that one. It's kind of like when you tell your kids. How many, how, many know what I, how many have kids? You know what I'm talking about. You're like, listen, just don't touch that. You know, <laughs> right? That's what they do. And I know some of you read about Genesis, and you're like, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. Yes, you would have. Yes, you would have. And they blew it, right? So then we're all born into sin. Paul says it like this. We're born into sin, and we needed a Savior to change our DNA, to make us born again, to change the very nature of who we are. But God's creation before this sin was good. God's creation, you imagine a man God looked at him and said, this is good, pre-sin, this is good. Everybody say, this is good. He was literally God's representation on the earth. God's representation on the earth. I want to say it a third time. God's uh, representation on the earth, right? And when Jesus comes, he comes to restore that image of God's representation on the earth. This is why in, in recent years, I, I became even more, I don't know, it always bothered me, obviously, the idea of abortion, but it became even more real to me in the last few years. As the more I dove into Genesis and I kept seeing that, God's image on the earth. Why does that make God so mad? You're removing his image from the earth. God put forth his image on the earth, and his image lives through you and me, but we can't live forth his image until we accept the son who restores the image of God on the earth. Are you with me? So we see this failure. We know the story. We're broken. We're, if we're honest, we can assert that the, the world is broken without Jesus. We make a mess of things on our own. We all live in the failure of humanity. And if we're not willing to admit that, I think we're not really being honest, right? All you have to do is, is turn on the news. All you have to do is talk to a friend at the water cooler or at the coffee pot or where there's a piece of drink of coffee that's not being drunk, just there by itself. And uh, you can think about the brokenness of the world. It's in your face all the time. I actually don't know, Pastor Ed, I don't know if I go through a day in a 24-hour period if I don't get a call or a text that reflects the brokenness of the world. Pray for me, my dad won't talk to me. Pray for me, my, my wife's so upset with me, I don't know what to do. Or pr- pray for me, my husband is, is in the hospital with cancer. Prayed again with someone, uh, that's their story this week. The brokenness of our world is in our face, isn't it? And who comes to restore that? Jesus. Jesus. Can you say Jesus? So let's fast forward a couple more generations. We see the Tower of Babel, right? Babylon. Humanity uniting against the Lord. Think about that. Humanity uniting against the Lord. Men gather together in unity to reach God without the help of God, to reach heaven without the help of God, to be like God. And ironically, Jesus comes to make you like God, but in your character and in your heart. They wanted to be like God in sense of power and position. And ironically, the very, it's so often the very thing you're trying to achieve on your own is a promise God has already given you. 
so often, so often the very thing you're trying to achieve on your own, God has already given you. So many people will strive. Let's take, for example, value. I want to be valued. I want you to know I'm, I'm valuable. So I'm going to try hard to earn your approval. But if you could just know how valuable you are to your creator, you wouldn't be striving for that. And men were striving for position and vying for power, and they built this Tower of Babel. We talked about it this, uh, this last spring. We talked about Babylon or Jesus. So what's the solution? God's solution to the curse of sin is a people of blessing. I love that. Pastor Joy wrote that down. God's solution to the curse of sin is a people of blessing. Isn't that cool? That's you. Turn to your neighbor. Say, that's you. Turn to your spouse. Say, that's you. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your land, your relatives, your father's house to the land I will show you. Which, by the way, that's faith. I love this story because he doesn't give him an iPhone with maps pulled up. He doesn't even give him the old school map. Remember MapQuest? Remember 20 years ago, you'd go to MapQuest and you'd print it out, and sometimes the printer was out of ink, and then you're like, is that Route 11 or Route 1? I don't know, but he didn't get any of that, right? He just said, pick up all of your belongings and go. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. By the way, that promise is still real. If you stand with Israel, there is a promised blessing on your life. You stand against Israel, there's not a promised blessing on your life. That promise. Do you know God's word is continuous, right? It doesn't stop. Decades and centuries can go by, and these promises are still true. You bless Israel you will be blessed. Turn to your neighbor, say, bless Israel, you will be blessed. These promises are here. So God starts over, in in a sense, with Abraham, this new family, this new generation of people that are going to be called to be a blessing. Not so that they can just be the blessed or the favorites or that they can be wealthy. That wasn't the deal. It was, I'm going to take care of you so that you can show my blessing to the entire world. Right? Right? And by the way, that is always the goal of a blessing. If you're ever given a blessing, maybe a, a, a raise at work or some random blessing, why is that? So that you can be a blessing to the world. That's where you go, who can I make a meal for? Who can I give an extra special financial gift to this Christmas? You close your eyes, you pray, and you say, God, how can I be a blessing with this blessing? Amen? All right. So the blessing falls on them, and through the, through the nations. The rest of the, of the story of the Old Testament is about this man and his family and his descendants. All nations had failed God's remnant in this tiny nation of Israel. The world's story is bound up and intertwined, though, with Israel's story. While you have Israel, these people of God, you also have the world, right? But as goes Israel, goes the world. And the Old Testament is a great hope, but also sorrow, because it seems like the story gets off track so many times. How many of you have read the Old Testament and seen the idol worship and thought, you idiots, right? Just me, just being Ray, that's it. The rest of you are like, I'm not admitting that. Seriously, Moses goes up the mountain and they're like, all right, everybody bring your jewelry. We're going to make a golden cow. It's going to be awesome. This cow is going to solve your problems. Come, come on. That is so stupid. That's, imagine on a Sunday, like, we come in and I'm like, hey, you know what? This here, this pulpit, I'm just going to pour some liquid gold over it. 
going to bow to it. And that's God. <laughs> right? But they fall for it because, I think many reasons, the propensity of man to sin, the propensity of man to need a tangible thing in front of them to believe in. But I think the biggest thing is because they see all the nations around them have idols. And one of the biggest traps you can walk into is, oh, everybody else does that. I need to do that. Everybody else bows to that worship. Everybody else says that's valuable, so I need to do that. Everybody else bows to that idol, so I need to do that. You got you to be careful. As the children of God, you are called to be set apart. You're called to be different. I talked about this very specifically and very strongly last week on the Cortland, uh, at Cortland campus in a really unique, odd, most odd Christmas message of all time. Somehow we talked about the mark of the beast and we talked about the manger. I don't know. Pastor Ben, I still don't know what happened. But it was neat. But here's the thing. What we realize is that idol worship became their story and it was never supposed to be their story. They were supposed to be set apart for God. Everybody just hold one fist off to your left so you can really see this. Just look at your fist and see that's the people of Israel set apart for God. Set apart. You know what I'm saying? They weren't supposed to take up idol worship. They weren't supposed to do what everybody else around them was doing. And as you know, God raised up judges and he raised up kings and he raised up prophets to bring forth a call to repentance. We talk about this on Christmas Eve here coming up this week a lot is that God sent forth messengers. He raised up prophets. He raised up mighty warriors. He raised up even kings that used to be shepherds to call people back to God's story. And sometimes they would repent and God would protect them. And sometimes they would rebel even further. So Matthew kind of tells all of that like this. Matthew 1, verse 17. All the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. I know some of you are thinking, you just read this two weeks ago. I know, but I think God wants to say something because this is what uh, I was prompted to by Pastor Joey when we were talking. Look at this. This idea of Kairos time. From Abraham to David, 14 generations. Everybody say 14. From David to Babylon, 14 generations. Everybody say 14. 14. From the exile to Babylon until the Messiah, 14. Or we just put your hand on your chin, real curious. Uh, hmm. That was good. Who did that over there? Is that you, Craig? It was, like, it was like sound effects. He's like, hmm. Right? So is it coincidence? Is it just happenstance? After this, his mother, Mary, had, had been engaged to Joseph, and it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant with the whole, from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, uh, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But he had considered these things, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. By the way, before we read again about this genealogy, can we just stop for a minute and imagine you're Joseph? Come on, you thought you've received strange news from your wife when you came home before. Imagine coming home. Honey, why do you look pregnant? Well, the baby is God's. 
right? I mean, seriously, the baby, God did it. You'd be confused. You wouldn't know whether to laugh or to put her in a headlock, right? Not really put her in a headlock. That's obviously I'm being facetious, but you'd be so confused. You'd be mad, right? You'd wonder if you're going to show up on Maury Povich next week. Like, you know, God, I, you want me to believe this? See, I think it's really sinking into this morning. And this is what we need to do. We need to insert ourselves into the script and realize if you're Joseph, that is crazy news. Courtney, imagine if she told you that. I'm pregnant. It's God's. That's crazy, right? So look at this genealogy, though. This is not an accident. This is not a whim. This is in the fullness of time. So we see seven as this powerful thing in the Bible, right? For some reason, we always see this number seven. In fact, people often say it's like God's number. So there's these sets of, of seven, two of them from Abraham to David, two sets of seven from David to the exile, two sets of seven from the exile to the Messiah, and three sets of 14 or six sets of seven. Numbers are highly symbolic and highly meaningful to the Israelites. The number seven speaks of perfection and completeness, whereas the number eight, as maybe you've heard before, usually speaks of new beginning, right? God made the world in seven days. He rested in six. He created in six and rested on the seventh. And the Sabbath was a way of resting every seventh day. The walls of Jericho fell on the seventh day. There are six of these leading to Jesus, with his coming being the seventh. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not coincidence. Seven sets of seven. Everybody just go, right? Okay. Why? Jesus is the completion of all completions. Right? Remember the prophecy? She will give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Again, Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel's story and therefore God's story and therefore your story. He came into your brokenness just in time. Just in time. Jesus is the fulfillment or the fullness of God who came in the fullness of time. On Christmas Eve, we're, we're using the lyrics from O Holy Night to kind of separate the, the evening and that was, an, that was a holy, ordained, divine night. Orchestrated since creation. Let me say that again. That was a divine, ordained night, orchestrated since creation. I remember last Christmas, I had some uh, church members uh, send me some videos uh, of NASA. And you could Google this later if you want, where the Tubble, or the Tubble, the Hubble telescope had looked up. They could go back every day and they can see exactly what the stars were like. And they could see that there was this, I can't remember if it was a planet or a comet or whatever they said was this superstar, or I can't remember what they called it, on that day. How many know God doesn't do things on accident? God does not do things on accident. So look at this verse with me. Jesus is the fullness of God who came in the fullness of time. Galatians 4, verse 3. When we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, but when the fullness of time had come, everybody say fullness of time. 
When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. This is why the story, the concept of adoption is so powerful because it illustrates the very heart of God. You see, if God makes you his son and you were formerly not his son, but now you're his son, everything that belongs to all his sons belongs to you. That's so cool. How did this happen? Jesus came in the fullness of time. It was no accident. God didn't look over one day and see us in our pitiful state and out of a whim, out of a sense of compassion and pity, send forth his son just on a whim. This is the fullness of time orchestrated by God. Now, if that kind of idea of sovereignty is messing with your brain today, that's okay. I want you to wrestle with it. I had, to, I had to wrestle with a lot in Bible college. Do you guys ever have something where you know you believe it, but then later you go through a season, you're like, do I really believe that? Have you guys ever had a faith? Has anybody ever had a faith crisis? I want you to raise, I want you to raise your hand, by the way, because if you never have, that's a bad sign. <laughs> that means you're just nodding along. You need to have a faith crisis at some point so you realize whether you really have faith or is it just your pastor's faith or is it just your parents' faith? And I remember sitting there in Bible college and this wrestling with this idea of man's volition and man's will, but God's sovereignty over that. And this idea that both can be true at the same time, that God can allow me to choose him or allow that I can can reject him, but he's sovereign and knows if I'm going to reject him or not. I just wanted to let that bother you today. I have no other person purpose other than to just let that bother you. Amanda, hope you can't sleep tonight because of the sovereignty of God. All right, back to the sermon. Some of you are like, wow, that scares me, Jordan. If anything, it brings us to a place of fearing God, right? That God is above us. God is outside of us. He's outside of time. He orchestrates all things in his love, and he has a plan to redeem you and to make you his family. Amen? So then there's this narrowing of God's story coming together with humanity's story with Jesus at the center. Israel fails until there's only one faithful left. Jesus comes as the only one who is perfectly faithful, perfectly pure, perfect. No flaw, no error. He's 100% God, but 100% human. Jesus comes, and this moment of him coming is the hinge of world's history, right? God's story with all of creation is now resting on Jesus, this little baby in a manger. Through Jesus, God's story is back on track. Through Jesus, God's story of humans being a reflection of his image is restored. 
Come on, let me say it again. All that brokenness, all of that sin, all of that generation after generation of people being born into sin and problems and strife and heartache and and murder and selfishness, all of that stops when Jesus comes and offers you a new change, a change of life. So why do I tell you all that today? Because Jesus' story changes your story. See, what does that mean to me? I want to tell you about Michael. I want to tell you about a young man named Michael. He was caught up, right, in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll movement of the 70s and early 60s. Came with a Jewish background. But God radically saved him. He got radically saved. No more needles. No more drugs. He gave his life to Jesus. Then he went off to Bible college and realized he was actually really smart. Now his name is Dr. Michael Brown. He has one of the best syndicated podcasts, highest rated radio shows in the country, Dr. Michael Brown. You can, you can just search, Ask Dr. Brown. <laughs> There's many times, by the way, your pastor has asked Dr. Brown. I'm reading something, I'm like, I don't know, Ask Dr. Brown. He's brilliant, brilliant, and God changed his story. Pastor Ben, one day, I've heard him tell this because he was one of my teachers at Bible college. One day, he's sitting on a couch with needles in his arms and drugs. He's broken, and he's lost, and he's hurting. Next day, he has hope. He has a light in his eyes. He has a hope for his future, for his family. And now he has a purpose in preaching and teaching the gospel through a lens of Jewish history. And God changes him. And what's the center point? Jesus. Can everybody just say that name, Jesus? Let me tell you about A young man named Mark, many of you might know his name, Mark, he grew up on a farm. He had a dad who was rough around the edges, and let's just say he was rough in the center too. And so Mark was also rough around the edges, and he was searching for God, and he went to college, and he could not find God in a philosophy course. He could not find God in the university. So then he hitchhiked, and he dropped out of college in his last semester. He met a little woman named Pam. Some of you know where I'm going now. Right? And they're watching TV one day, and as you've heard his story many times, he used to put his beer on his Bible. That was his coaster. And a preacher, he's going through the TV, and he's going through the channels, and a preacher says, if you're in a dead church, get out of it. And young Mark in his early 30s looks to his wife Pam and says, are we in a dead church? She goes, I don't know. And he's like, well, I think we are. And so they go find an alive church. And they experience Jesus. They come to the altar together. They are totally radically saved. He sells the farm. He moves from Minnesota to Florida. He, he attends Southeastern Bible College. And, and faith, and somebody pays for his entire tuition. Come on, somebody. I love that. So cool. They have three Uh, daughters, one very talented, sharp young boy, very smart, just really off the charts in sense of IQ and humor and talent and abilities. And (laughs) I embellished the last fact just a little. 
And they move here after their first mission. I'm just joking. After their first pastor in Florida, they move here to this little town called Kinsman, even though the church was going really good in Florida. They had built a new building, and there was a few hundred people showing up, but they heard a pastor that somebody called them, and they heard about this opportunity. Hey, there's 80 people. They're $80,000 in debt, and the, and the pews are held together in duct tape. Pastor Mark, would you like to come? He says, that sounds awful. But he comes. And now your story is changed because Mark's story was changed. Isn't that so cool? The hinge of Mark's story and Pam's story is Jesus. Right? Jesus. And there's a a church now where hundreds of people have come to faith in Christ. There's a church in Cortland now where tons of people have come to faith in, in Christ because Mark said yes to Jesus. Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you said yes to the hinge of history? Right? In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to redeem us, to change our story. I love the rest of that that uh, moment with the angel where she says, you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus dealing with sins is about the creator of God dealing with the curse of sin at this cosmic level, at the global scale. He's wiping all sin away with one perfect sacrifice. It's God The good creator triumphing over all powers of darkness in this one moment of sending forth the son in the perfection of his father with one mission to obey the voice of his father, right? Jesus is the only true human taking dominion as God's image bearer. He's the only true son of Abraham, the blessing to the nations. This drove the Pharisees crazy, by the way. I don't know if you guys remember this in our Bible reading a few months back, right? When he says, I'm the son of Abraham. And they're like, you're the son of Abraham? Like, no, we, and then they're like, no, really, it's my great, 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 great grandpa, you know. And they were so caught up in their literal DNA that God was standing right in front of them and they missed it. And I want to ask you today, is Jesus, the word of Jesus, bring preached to you right in front of your face. And maybe you're online today or maybe you're in the room and still maybe you haven't given your heart to Jesus. Because if you've given your heart to Jesus, you will be thinking about Jesus. You will be talking about Jesus. The entire crux of your life is centered on Jesus. Now, if you just come to church, then you just, you know, you come to church. But your life is different. You've got your job. You've got everything. You don't think about Jesus till Sunday. Oh, when Sunday comes, then you come, you know, because your wife or your husband asks you to. That's not what I'm asking. I'm saying, is Jesus at the center of your life? Is he the very passion of your soul where everything you do is for Jesus? Everything you do. When you paint a, a building, Steve, it's for Jesus. Right? When you're at Doc's office, Paul, it's for Jesus. Everything in your life, when you're having a meal with your family, it's for Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the hinge of your history because he is the hinge of history. Amen? Jesus invites his followers, this is the last thing I want to say to you, to implement his victory all over the earth. Can you stand up to your feet? We're going to go into a song as we close today called Emmanuel. 
And, you know, I, I remember going up to my dad's office here about 10 or 12 years ago and saying, Dad, I love this sermon series you're in, and I feel like if we write a song together, it'll have a lot more good content and truth. And so out came this song that we're going to sing. And I want to ask you, have you received Emmanuel? You, personally, not your pastor, not Pastor Ben, not Pastor Jordan, not Pastor Ed. Have you put your faith in Jesus? And I want to give you that opportunity right now. Before we sing this song, I want you to realize either all of your faith is in Jesus or it's not. If 20% of your faith is in Jesus, you know, then it's not faith in Jesus. Because if it doesn't work out, it doesn't, no, no, no. Is all of your life's existence hinging on the person of Jesus? If it is, that's Christianity. That's being a child of God. I want you to bow your heads with me. And I want to ask you, have you received Jesus? Have you received Jesus? Have you put your trust in God? Have you let him be the center? The center point. The thing by which all other decisions are made. You see, literally, if, if 10 years from now or 20 years from now, there was, a, uh, there was like a choice to move, you guess what I would do? I would ask Jesus. If, if my wife were to ask me something, hey, what do you think we should do about, about this? Guess what we do? We ask Jesus. We pray. Jesus at the center, because in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to save you, to redeem you, and to change your story. So if you're in this building right now, or if you're online, I want to ask you, just to raise your hand, if you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, raise it nice and high. If you want to accept him for the first time, or maybe the first time since you were younger, you want to dedicate or rededicate your life to him. And I want to pray a prayer of faith with you. I'm just going to give you a moment to do that. And sir, ma'am, you might be at home and you might be thinking, well, you know, I'm not really there, so I don't even know if this is real, what I'm feeling right now. Listen, if you're feeling your heart about to beat out of your chest, ma'am or sir, that's God. That's God talking to you. He's knocking on the door of your heart saying, let me come in. And what's amazing about Jesus is he says, let me come in and have dinner with you. Yes, he's Lord of all, but he doesn't even say in Revelation 3, knock on the door of your heart. If you open the door and let me in, I will rule over you. He doesn't say that. He says, I'll be your friend. He says, we'll have dinner together. You'll know God face to face. Like Moses, like Abraham, you will know God personally, intimately, on a personal level. If that's you, raise your hand. And if, ever, if anyone is online, tuning in in this moment and responding, I want to pray a prayer of faith in case someone's doing that. Can we all do it together? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. I admit my brokenness. I admit my need for you. Like the people of Israel, I repent. I take this sermon today as my call to repentance. Just like the prophets, the judges, and the people you raised up, 
to call Israel to repentance. You're calling me to repentance. I give you my life today. I make a mess of things on my own. And I need you. I need you to save me. Make me your child. Make Jesus my brother. And you my father. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. My story changes from here on out. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, let's lift up a shout of praise. Come on, let's lift up a shout of praise. We worship you, Lord. So we're going to sing this song together. And as we sing it, I want you to really picture it. When we say the prophet heard the spirit, that Joseph had a dream. When we say these things, let's picture it. Even if we have to close our eyes and let the Holy Spirit anoint our imagination this morning. Awaken our hearts today, Lord. heard the spirit David had a song and Joseph had a dream of what was to come the angel told Mary the king saw a star the shepherds heard the angel sing hallelujah now you're speaking to me now I see that your name shall be called Wonderful Counselor The Everlasting Father While the Prince of Peace I'll come and keep My God and my salvation Come and 
bless you today, Rock of Grace, with a trust that Jesus is truly at the center, that there's nothing in your life that should take his peace away. I want to say that again. There's nothing in your life. There's no, there's no struggle with a family member. There's nothing in your life that should take away the peace that the Prince of Peace brings. And the moment you feel those feelings, surrender them to God. Let the, the Prince of Peace enter in and let that moment in time, if it's one o'clock, if it's Christmas Eve and you're stressed out and you're angry about something, just stop, close your eyes, take a deep breath and let the Holy Spirit breathe the Prince of Peace into that moment and watch the rest of that day change. Let the Prince of Peace truly be Lord. And if you agree with that prayer, say a big amen. Amen. Hey, greet somebody on your way out, okay? And I'll see you Christmas Eve. <laughs>